Alas, the great day has finally arrived. Rejoice, my dear grandstanders, for it's opening day of the grandest time of year. May the gods smile upon us and sanctify this first Saturday in May, so that this be a magnificent season of grandstanding. May this day of commemoration and renewal bring forth hope and blessings for another summer full of devotional distractions to protect us from the impending doom of rising waters and of another hacked into nation state's election. May we saunter trance-like and drunkenly forward toward the light of another grandiose summer of spectacle. Far away from the darkness of blundered, taped red presidential ties, let this grand season of spectacle cast upon us a temporal lucidity so that may we have a bit of respite from the vulgar fake news paranoia of the squawk box of atomic cataclysm. May this be a season of blind pony derby winners, no hitters, triple crowns, eight round, eight round knockouts, fussing ballers with $500 kicks, a cup for the green team, a cup for the Italian team, one final tiki-taka strut, an NBA ring for a gangly former Oklahoma scorer, bicycle races, car races, foot races, more cheaters, more gossip, more losses, more wins, more controversy, more theater, more spectacle, more, more, more. In Maradona's name we beg you, amen. Now, pass the kaikian. about these two big Mexican names. After the final fulfillment of what some thought would never happen, getting them into the ring together, it became an exhibition. An exhibition of all the skills that Canelo Alvarez has built and polished and accumulated and that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has never had. And in retrospect, it was always going to be an exhibition. Greetings, Grandstanders! Welcome to another fine edition of Grandstand Podcast. Uh, it's, it's exciting times in the land of grandstanding, of sporting, and of spectating. So, so let's just get into it. But before we do, uh, let's let's uh, let's check in with uh, the professor, uh, uh, Mister Professore Maestro. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Excited for. Uh, for for the, for a new season of of, of 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 what I consider to be the 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 real season, uh, the real sports. Uh, this is when it begins for me. I know I know I, I'm I'm being ridiculous, but um, I'm really excited. What's going on with you? What's up? What's going on? Uh, what's going on in New York City? Uh, you know, just a typical Sunday, but um, I think a lot of people are probably probably not feeling at a hundred percent today. So yesterday is is was a big day for boozing. So I don't know if you're referring to that or just to yeah. the, to, to just to the whole spectacle of of the first Saturday in May. 
Um, it's a special day, right? Especially for for you and I, Professor. Yeah, I I love. I didn't. I don't know at what point I realized, like, oh, every every time I watch the Kentucky Derby later on at night, like I go watch a a, a big boxing pay per view. It, it dawned on me, like, yeah, every first Saturday of May, there's a, it's the Kentucky Derby, and then and a a major boxing fight is is set aside for that night. Um, for me, that's that's I love it. I, uh, two of my favorite sports, major events in two of my favorite sports uh, in one day, back to back. So, which means, what time is what is the what is the post time for Kentucky Derby? Uh, it's usually like well for on the West Coast three around three to four o'clock and then so here around six thirty seven o'clock, which means I start boozing around two. So for you maybe around five, you start boozing uh, about an hour before. Yeah, and then and then there's like that little break in between because the race only lasts two minutes, as they say, the fastest two minutes in sports. I just learned that Secretariat was the horse that's run the. He still has the record for the fastest time at the Kentucky Derby. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, Secretariat was a it was a big deal. Right. So, um, how many hours are in between the Derby and the first boxing match? If you if you end up watching the the whole card, three. If you, if you watch the whole card, mm-hmm. um, about two. Two hours. Yeah, like roughly two, but. Um, uh, but I never watched the whole card. We, we've talked about this already, but maybe just to, to recap very briefly, there's a symbiosis or a kind of relationship between the horse racing and boxing. What, what do you think it is? Is it, is it the betting, the gambling, the, the greediness of it? Is that what they share in common or is there something more to it? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's, um, well, the fact that it was at one, at one time, it was two of our mo- most popular sports uh, in American right. culture and they both... Right. They both saw the sa- a similar decline um, to where now they're they're one of the more fringe sports. But I think both of them also you can say while like the sport as a whole, you could make the case that the sport is dead. You could say boxing is dead and horse racing is dead, mm-hmm. at least because it's not like what it, what it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, they both still and 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 that's why yesterday that's why the the first Saturday of May is so cool. It's the it's the day where these two sports that in overall are kind of are, are not what they once were, but that's the 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 day that they showcase their their major event. They they still have um, the Kentucky Derby is still a big deal. Uh, a, a major boxing pay per view is still a big deal. Um, Absolutely. So so they still have this big event feel um, a few times a year. If you've ever had the chance to see a thoroughbred at full gallop it's one of the most incredible things you can ever witness sporting wise i think uh watching a horse run at top speed pretty incredible yeah wouldn't you say yeah being close the way that the the sound the sound that they make when the, their feet their hoofs uh pounce the ground it's pretty and it's an it's it's hard to describe it, it's it's a it's one of those things that I think is to me one of the most magical things you can ever see. Yeah, totally. And I, I would say also, and then from the uh, from the grandstanding perspective, um, there is this indescribable feeling um, when when the horses are are coming down the stretch, mm. and that energy in the stands the is way just, it builds it's up. building and building yeah. and building, yeah. and you're hearing people 
yell, call out their numbers or call out the, the, the name of the horse. Um, and then in boxing, similarly, uh, that energy that in when when two fighters start just exchanging, they get in the middle of the of the ring and just start start trading blows, um, and the crowd just erupts. You know, just um, that that it's it's both the sound and just this feeling, this energy that um, that's pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> so before we we move into to the talk about this fight, uh, well, first of all, what do you think of the race? Uh, you know, th- this year I gotta say, um, I wasn't too too. Uh, there weren't any stories, even though there were some pretty good stories. The <laughs> the Venezuelan t- trainer kidnapped, yeah. and um, yeah. and then you've got the patch. Um, <laughs> but uh, as- aside from those, um, I wasn't too into it, and so and an American or, or uh, was a uh, dreaming. Was it still dreaming? Always, always dreaming. Yeah. Um. You know, I. I it was. It big. was. Uh. It was a weak field, right? Like it kind of was, kind of recognized as such. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't really any special horse. Um. I know it was a big deal in in Brooklyn and. Right. In Williamsburg. Well, They're actually from Williamsburg, the the people that won. Um. Yeah. The. So the the co-owner Viola. Uh huh. Who and imagine how crazy that would, if that was the if he were the 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 army secretary he was the guy that tr- Trump wanted to appoint army secretary ah and then um, he ended up dropping out because there'd be too, there'd be too much of a conflict of interest uh, with all his you know private um, mm-hmm. you know businesses that he has but um, yeah yeah they're from they I mean they grew up in in old Williamsburg mm-hmm. uh, and I could uh, it just disgusts me to even like imagine what hipster bars in Williamsburg were looking like yesterday selling, you know, serving mint juleps and, you know, doing their thing and, uh, and probably definitely capitalizing on the fact that, uh, one of the horses in the race was owned by a, by a neighborhood local. Do you get the feeling that the spectacle of, of the actual grandstanding and as far as the Kentucky Derby and, and the, the kind of like the, 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 the happening that has become it's it's grown in the last few years right have you noticed have you felt that yeah yeah it's and and it's yeah i know like in in the late 90s the ratings weren't that um they were like below 10 million um well i mean before the 90s it, the the ratings were super high like in the like 16 like 16 to 20 million uh viewers uh but then it kind of it dipped and then since then, it's been climbing back up again. I don't know what the ratings were for for this year's, but um, um, it's doing a good job of 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 still attracting a, a wide audience of people, you know, people who don't care for horse mm-hmm. racing, but mm-hmm. but definitely will are are acknowledging and recognizing the you know the the, the Derby, um, similar to kind of like what Del Mar has successfully been able to do, right. Now, now it seemed to turn into a celebration of people dressing like, uh, like Southern gentility. It's like a competition to see who can outdo each other with the their their mint julep cup and their their pink pants and and seersucker suits and saddle shoes, etc. It's become a fashion show of sorts, right? Oh, definitely. It's a and that's kind of the disgust you were talking about the in Brooklyn. Don't, couldn't you see that in a bar somewhere? People oh. dressed like, 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 like southern, southern, uh, rich aristocrats. Yeah. Someone I wrote an article in the New York Times that said that 
without gambling, horse racing would not exist. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to... Gambling seems to be a big part of it. And it also seems to be the reason why horse racing isn't as, as big as it is any, as it was anymore. But couldn't there be a way in which we would arrange that sport so that there was still money be, to be made... I mean, we're talking about legalizing gambling in America here very soon, sports gambling in America. We, we've allowed, there used to be a protocol law in the books uh, put forth by a senator or congressman, Bill Bradley, I believe is his name. Or he's Bradley? Have you ever heard that name before? A Bill Bradley? I feel like yeah. I've heard that name hundreds yeah. of times, but... Um, I think it's him. Um, we'll look it up, but um, we'll get our producers on that right now. There was a, a law passed uh, basically essentially to, to, to again, something we've discussed uh, in previous episodes, to safeguard the integrity of gambling, of gambling affecting the integrity and the purity of sports. So these laws were passed to essentially honor that, and, and which is why, you know, uh, um, fantasy sports and, and all that is involved in gambling, uh, gambling around sports has is still there and it's going to continue to grow, but we're in we're in a stage now where we're going to get rid and deregulate all those things so much so that at one point there was the thought of having put a professional sports team in Las Vegas was was completely like like you know uh, uh, blasphemous. But now we have a football team there. Uh, Los An- the, the the Raiders are going there uh, now. And and that before would have never been a thing because that that you know it went counter to this idea of protecting sports from gambling, correct? Yeah, and that's always been the thing with 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 sports leagues. Part of part of why leagues exist, and we've already said this, is that the the whole concept of of, uni- of uniting together as a league of professionals is to protect from the outside pressures of the gambling people. Uh, but now that gambling is said to be deregulated and almost legal in every state, sports gambling that is, um, it's a uh, if if uh, if sports if sports make money without like baseball makes money without there needing to be gambling, it's just pure entertainment. Could that ever be the thing for horses? Man, I don't know because. Um... If it's true, what people you know, when people uh, people trace the trajectory or the the patterns of of the popularity of of horse racing, and then when it's been popular, and when it hasn't been as popular, it has went. You know, the, one of the arguments is the reason why horse racing isn't as popular anymore is because people can gamble. Uh, when it was super popular, it was one of the only ways to gamble. Um, now that there's so many other ways to gamble, people would rather gamble in you know at the casino. Um, or gamble with other sports than than have to watch horse racing to do it. Um, and in a way, what, what that seems to be suggesting is that people don't really find the sport as fun. Like, um, and I don't know. I wonder if it's because, for one thing, it's just running, right? Like running in a circle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's not much there. It's it's pretty it's pretty pretty si- simple. Um, uh-huh. But at the same time. It, it, Part of attaching yourself to to a sport and to a competition is 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 the the athletes involved. And when it's not athletes, you know, uh, the the boxing fight we saw last night was two two humans uh, showcasing their their ability. In horse racing, you know, it's it's an animal. 
and of course the jockey plays an integral role but that when's the last time that we like celebrate a jockey as like a like as an athlete <laughs> um it's it's the horse like the horse is the star of the show and and i wonder do you think that's part of the reason why it's hard for people to to really get into the to to get into it and watch it like a sport sport is because it's hard to root for an animal <laughs> possibly but then i would say that part of why it still is alive is because that animal maybe maybe only the dog that animal has has been a partner to the human for so long and has is like one of the fundamental like characters of 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 the the, the human narrative and the, the 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 development of the human narrative the horse was you know think of all the shit that we have done on the backs of horses or with horses so it's almost like as close to an anthropomorphic thing as there is is i think the horse and part of why we are I think on a subconscious level, on a very deep level, fascinated by watching racing horses racing is because it's connected to it's horses are such an integral part of our story. Totally, yeah, no, that's and I, I would even say I I, I think the even co- the comparison with dogs doesn't even come close. I would um, agree with that, but some people would say you know yeah, but I agree, yes, yeah, um, no, that that is that's 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 very true. But I don't know. I it, it's it, 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 we just see it. The, the public has a hard time getting into it. Would you go with me to the racetrack, sit around, drink, and just watch ra- horse just racing? Yeah, totally. I would. Mm-hmm. But I like that. That's what I meant when we started. If you've ever gotten to see a horse run at full speed, if you ever watch a horse race on TV, especially one like yesterday. And to see all of the negotiation, all of the conversations, all of the politics involved in getting from 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 the gate to the end, there's it's it happens quick. But if you happen to be uh, connected to it, it's beautiful because it's an animal and a human working together. You know, it's very unique. Yeah. Yeah, so I brought up the gambling thing because I uh, just kind of finished off on this. Uh, so this guy Bill Bradley, who who was upset, he got upset because he, you know, um, I saw a guy with a T-shirt one time that said, "Good coaches, good coaches win. Great coaches cover," which in reference to covering the spread, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was coaching about, he was playing, or I forget. But anyways, the point is that the the spread was not covered. The team won, but the spread was not covered, and so essentially, the the home team, people sitting in the in the audience, who had bet either for or against, when the spread was not covered, started like 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 cheering because the other team scored a basket, you know, on the team on the home team, right? So it was just like awkward dissonance for this man who's saying what the fuck are they cheering for and it's they were cheering because the spread had not been covered and uh money was made and lost by different people in the arena but for the most part it was people were in, engaging in two games in in whatever they had gambled and then the game on the field hmm. yeah so if gambling becomes legal is is the fact that now you and i can more easily bet on the padre game today is that still going to take more customers away from the horse races or 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 is it just going to stay and level out and stay the same and horse racing will be there like as it has been for 
hundreds of years. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but no matter how much the sport of the sport of horse racing as a whole continues to fade, as as it seems to have been doing, the major event, so the, the the Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown, that's not going anywhere. And not only not going anywhere, I I, I could see it growing in pop mm-hmm. in popularity mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, you know. In in this mm-hmm. time, in, in this. Sometimes one of our big issues is just oversaturation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I think we love horse racing and boxing is is because we only watch it a few times a year. Mm-hmm. And that's probably part of the reason why people don't like baseball. <laughs> right, baseball. You know? Baseball's fucking on all the time from April to September, to October. But then, but then that lends itself to another thing that I think is one of the most beautiful things because of the fact that you play every day. When slumps happen, they happen, you know, because a hitter could get into a slump and then it just starts to happen. Whereas with a soccer player, if he has a shitty game, he has four days to recover mentally from the idea of not doing well. The baseball player has zero days. He's got to do it again the next day. And if he gets into his head, he's fucked. And those are the kind of beautiful narratives that you can watch in a game that gets played every day. So yeah, I agree with you saturation is is the oversaturation and prize fights will continue as well the big pay-per-view events will continue as well because you know as as evidenced by last night um abuelitas little kids abuelitos old kids young kids teenagers of all different shapes and sizes they were all there paid their 20 bucks to watch uh to watch uh what we thought was going to be a mexican brawl but it turned out to be um you know, an outclassing by Canelo over Chavez. Do you know that Esquire magazine? A lot of I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but for a while they they and maybe some people would argue that they still do. Um, they put out some really pretty pretty cool pieces, uh, like write, written pieces, right? And you know, Hemingway wrote for Esquire. Um, uh, uh, I think Truman Capote. Um, uh, Tom Wolf. Is, I, I, I maybe I know for sure Hemingway, but pretty big big stars wrote for Esquire, wrote pieces for Esquire at different times. They have a thing called the Three Bs, right? Um, and, and kind of like the 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 aesthetic or the idea on which Esquire was was kind of like the 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 the, the look of of Esquire was founded upon the idea of bourbon. Boxing and bullfighting, which is kind of like the aesthetic of that we would associate with uh, with Hemingway, right? Hmm. What would it be for Grandstand, Professor? Does it have to be an alliteration too? Nope. I'm a. You don't have to respond right now, but I was just thinking that booze needs to be in there. Yeah. How, did you notice that? You know, uh, when I think of big fights, uh, especially on on the first Saturday of May or in mm-hmm. uh, Mexican Independence Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, those are like the two, which we could talk about this later, that the fact that the two most important dates in boxing both revolve around Mexican holidays uh, says something, right? right. Um, but um, normally you see Corona. Mm-hmm. And I don't, have you noticed that Tecate has become like the new... Has become the new beer of um, the new sponsor in in, in yeah. these major events. Yeah, it might be. Is it the case in soccer too? 
Big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, so, so apparently what happened was, and maybe you already knew this, um, did you know that Corona is owned by a different owner in the U.S. as opposed yes. to the owner throughout the world? Or oh, like, no, I didn't know that. So, um, maybe. Oh, yeah, continue. I'm intrigued. So, uh, you know, Grupo Modelo, which mm-hmm. uh, when Anheuser-Busch and, and Modelo uh, merged, the U.S. government had to step in and, and say like no this this is uh this merger is too um it, it's it, it creates too large of a monopoly in the industry um and so in order to make the uh, allow the the deal to go through uh modelo gave up its it sold its interest in corona to uh constellation brands is the name of the ownership group that uh, o- o- the company that owns corona in the US mm-hmm. and so they're just a lot a much smaller um, they don't have the type of money that uh, Tecate is owned by Heineken, and Heineken stepped in and said, "You know what? We need we need to be the face on in in these major boxing events, um, and so or the brand, um, and so they ponied up seven million dollars to get the rights, say like sponsorship rights for last night, and outbid has been outbidding Corona, almost a global brand." Because I bet if you say Corona in Europe, people might know what that is. But if you say Tecate, probably still not yet, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but they're they're definitely they're growing. And and um, <laughs> I read there. This is. Did you see those commercials? Those be bold commercials? Yeah, those were fucking annoying. Yeah, they're super annoying. And um, and I so people get paid to do this. Like and I, and I assume a lot of money. Um, this is this is their. Uh, I'll just I'll just read from from this this article. Um, so for Tecate, the sponsorship comes on the heels of a new campaign for Tecate Light called Be Born Bold. That effort targets what Tecate describes as 21 million bicultural consumers, people who are confident. So they quote people who are confident and fluid in their Mexican and American duality. They share Mexican values and American values. Thus. Born Bold, the Born Bold campaign. Uh, People sit around and come up with this stuff, mm-hmm. and make tons of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, so we are bold. We are bold, and I mean, but it goes to show, I think. You know, boxing. So these major pay per views, like yes, we're, it's it's a it's a major event for a lot of reasons. But one thing it also is, it's it's just and and similar to Cinco de Mayo, it's just one big uh, one big prom- uh, one big beer promotion or alcohol promotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did the L.A. Times guy say? So yeah, Dylan Hernandez, the he's a columnist for for the LA Times, uh, follows the Dodgers. Um, uh, he he in anticipation of the fight, he said he called it uh, a fake fight on a fake holiday. Oof. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it a. a I wouldn't call uh, May fifth a fake holiday. It's just not. Um, it's just not a Mexican holiday the way some people, probably maybe most people assume. While the fight, uh, yeah, I think anyone who knew a little bit about it, anyone who follows boxing knew that 
it, I mean, it, it it went down exactly the way I anticipated to to go down, and I think a lot of people like we knew it was just uh, a paper champ against a uh, against a scrub. Yeah. Did did we the people who were rooting for Chavez were we just uh, were we just um, like. I, I didn't think it was going to go down this way, but I knew after the second round that that oh, oh I get it. So this this the the this is what everybody was talking about when you knew that Chavez wasn't going to do anything, wasn't going to be able to compete with Canelo. So so is it's a it's a it was it was the the fake holiday. It's not a fake holiday because for Mexicans who understand their history, they know that it was something that did occur, but it's not quite the way that it's it was sold or it gets sold here, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fight was was a real fight or was a fight but it was not the fight that quite the fight that boxing fans knew that you know so it's kind of like they're doing the same shit right selling something that is obviously not not the way it really is yeah the lawyer who who's promoting the fight he kept the selling point was when's the last time you've ever had two big mexican fighters uh fight against each other and not put on an amazing show which is true, but I think a lot of us knew going into this one that this would be the night that <laughs> that, that, that it would not happen. happen. Yeah, right. but but yet we all still watched. There's no right. way I was not going to watch the fight. Because what was about what was it about this fight? Why did it provide so much intrigue for? Let's say for you, were you rooting for Chavez, Professor? <sighs> I was. I man, it it was a really tough one because um, the Chavez name is. You know, it was really special, and, and it does mean a lot to me. But, um, but man, rooting for that kid, for his son, um, it's it's really hard to root for him. It's really hard to pull for um, such a just not very likable person. And and that's what, what what these fights are all about. Like they say, styles make fights, but it's really stories make fights. And the and the story was who is the true Mexican fighter was basically what they're both of them have chips on their shoulder. One is trying the Chavez jr. Is trying to prove that he's not just, not just, uh, the son of a legend. And, and he, he is his own, his own champion. He's, um, he's not the same undisciplined spoiled fighter that everyone has accused him of. And then you have Canelo who wants to prove that he's not just a fabricated, uh, propped up, uh, overhyped champ that he really is a true you know a true warrior um so the story was pretty interesting but as far as who to root for is 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 hard because i didn't want to root for the guy who is being promoted by oscar de loya why do mexicans hate oscar de loya uh because he he beat up on on an aging on one of the most iconic heroes in Mexican sports history, which is uh, Chavez Senior, um, and a young De La Hoya uh, pummeled him twice. Well, he cut him once, right? Yeah, and they had to suspend it. And then the second time, he did beat him. This this drama is like a is it not like it is to me a Greek a Mexican tragedy. So I see it beginning with those first two. De La Hoya and Chavez fights. Um, De La Hoya knows, and it's no secret, that he wanted to fight Chavez and use the Chavez name 
to to essentially to 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 galvanize and and to to catapult his career as a as a fighter because he was young at the time and he was he was already champion or on his way to being a champion he was probably already champion right uh yeah he he was already he was considered pound for pound the best boxer the best okay um and he was never liked because of his style by the mexican crowd correct yeah he i mean and he's a and he's a mexican american right so that just adds layer, but you know there there are there are Mexican American fighters that are beloved by the Mexican crowds, like Chicanito Hernandez. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they if they're brawlers, exactly. So if you fight in the style of the Mexican bra- Mexican fighters, then but if uh, Me- uh, there was there was always a kind of like a like a like he was viewed with suspicion, right? With with a certain discomfort with with De La Hoya. It's kind of like, are we gonna like him? Are we not gonna like him? Um, and because I, I, I tend to root for the, the same way I root for the teams my father roots for, I, I root for the, for the boxers and the types of boxers that my father roots for, right? Uh, so I, I saw the Loya capitalizing on a, on a, like you said, aging Chavez, because that would, you know, he added, well, he made money and then he kind of added this, 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 uh, this, this thing to his legacy, this story to his legacy of having beat what is, arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time, right? Not just Mexican, not just in his weight class, but of all time. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, and he beat him when he was old and when Chavez clearly was, was, was on the way, on his way out. Um, so he did, he does this and, and that kind of like, instead of, instead of, instead of, uh, from like a marketing standpoint, instead of, of this creating a situation where all of a sudden we're like, Okay, he's a new champion. Now we're all going to migrate to the La Hoya. It just made him even more repulsive of a character to us, right? Yeah. Or to not well, I'll, I'll speak for I I I identify with the Mexican not the Mexican American fans, but with the Mexican fans. But but even then, wouldn't you say that there were there were a lot of Mexicans and Mexican Americans who rooted for the La Hoya. He had a he had quite a like a Chicano following, right? Yeah, totally. And is it just about styles, Professor? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's a part of it. But um, you know, for for me, I I grew up hating the uh, lawyer, um, and it was basically after that, after him uh-huh. be- him beating the guy who I grew up as a kid, you know, idolizing. Uh-huh. Um, but I always, to this day, meet. Uh, Mexican Americans who, who, who love, who loved him and still love, uh-huh. and like, and they kind of baffles him, like, what, like, how could you hit, like, he's he's a like, he, like seeing him is like he's one of our heroes, like, look at what he's done, like, he's he's not only as a boxer but now even as a promoter, um, and I wonder if if he would never have, um, if we he would never have beat Chavez if if I if I would would be be against him the way I am I, I I'm not sure but I I do think part of it is just simply there is this like there is it, it's it's the same for like biracial people bicultural people uh you know being a there is this this stigma to being a Mexican-American as opposed right. to just a pure Mexican or just a right. pure or, or whatever a pure American is but basically you know so what you just said brings me to the next part of the of the Mexican tragedy um Mexican 
uh, uh, American tragedy, is that if De La Hoya had not fought Chavez, and if he had just continued with, he was going to have a, a, a he, he won a gold medal for Christ's sake. Right. You know, that's, that's pretty big, you know. Um, I think he could have, if he would have not, if he hadn't, if he, if he had chosen not to fight Travis and kind of just said he's, he's a great, it's obvious that I'm better than him right now. Obviously, in his prime, Travis would have beat the shit out of La Hoya. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so, and, and kind of just let that one go and move on. I think at some point over the course of his career, if he had given enough fights, even if he didn't fight like the Mexican fighters, but if, if there was enough of a, like where he endeared himself to the crowd and not beat on the, on the, on the Mexican champion, I think the story would have been different as far as how Mexicans and maybe someone like myself would see him. Right. Yeah. But having be, beating Chavez just basically like he's he's always going to be on my shit list forever. Okay? And it's the the conditions under which he did it that that are more if he had beat him maybe in his prime then all I would left to say is like to argue no he didn't beat him yes he did beat him. We could sit here and have a different argument or a different discussion, but it's the fact that he waited till Chavez was really old to fight him, right? Um are we still on the same page here, Professor? Yeah, totally. And okay. I would and I would add also the way he celebrated after the second fight. Okay, was a big problem. So, so he, I think already he shoots himself in the foot, and he's to Mexicans like uh, to use a to use a, uh, a, a a common expression. He he was dead to us, you know. And now he comes along for part two for the second act of this narrative of this of this Mexican tragic comedy. It could also be. And he's got this little kid with him uh, talking now about Canelo, who, well, let's just face it, he doesn't really look Mexican. Although there are a lot of Mexicans who look like that. Mexicans come in all shapes and different and colors. But but if you're trying to sell him as like the poster boy for like a Mexican fighter, he doesn't kind of remind you. He doesn't harken back to those uh, faces and images and, and, and looks that more traditionally associated in the... Mexican mentality of what is a Mexican fighter. So already, I think he's got that working against him. Wouldn't you agree that that has something to do with it? I and, and in a way, I wonder if it works in his favor. But but yeah, but I totally uh, see what you're saying as far as um, yeah, he's 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 white with freckles and red hair. And I have to be very clear that I am very aware, and so is the professor. And if for those of you that don't know, there are a lot of. Uh, there are a lot of blonde, blonde hair, blue-eyed Mexicans. They they come in different shapes and sizes. So I'm I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'm not, am I generalizing? I don't know what I'm doing. But no. the, the, you know what I'm saying? No, no, I know totally know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but image is uh, such an important part of it. So, anyways, it, it's it's that, and then also that there has been an argument, and now you can you can jump back in, Professor. That Canelo. Um, has kind of been like De La Hoya, picked fights here, and picked fights there, you know, kind of fighting out a weight class of different times. Like um, this, this fight last night was not a championship fight. This was just a, a two Mexicans fighting. Um, that he kinda, kinda somehow is mirroring the De La Hoya trajectory. Would you agree? Is that correct? Have uh, you heard that? Yeah, and and I think a lot of. Uh, I think a lot of successful boxers in general. This is what, this is how you, this is how you build stars. You have to be strategic over who they fight. 
And the argument that Chavez was making, which is uh, to me the 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 the, the real the reason f- for us to why I find myself in the Chavez corner. And I don't like Canelo, so I would have just rooted for whoever. But um, was that there's this feeling that Canelo hasn't 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 fought with the guys he should be should have been fighting with. Like, where is that number one contender, the number two contender, like back in the old days when? When you know, the, when when uh you would fight the the next guy in line, right? But now you're kind of like strategically maneuvering this boxer to capitalize and make money, which obviously you can't blame someone for doing that. But it, is it it is 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 that just what boxing is now, as far as prize fighting like that? Yeah, I mean that is how. For those who say that boxing, if if you were to say that boxing is scripted. And we've talked about this. That's how it's scripted because it's it's you manipulate who fights who in a way to craft the story that you want to tell. And if the story you want to tell is we we want to build a star out of this out of this good looking kid uh, from Mexico, you know that that's what they've done, and they've and they've done a, a really a really good job of it. And are there boxers that 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 fight in the more traditional? Uh way as far as like if you're champion and you have your number one contender you fight that guy and you basically fight all the people in your weight class the best of the best as they say um does that still exist it still exists right um yeah but i mean kind of because also this isn't really about boxers it's about promoters and Mm -hmm. and promoter and then you have some promoters who don't work with others so in a lot of ways there's a lot of fights that just can't be made because of uh, because of politics amongst promoters, Got it. and 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 because of the larger agenda of do we really want to is is this sport really about who's the best, um, or is it about making as much money as we can make? Obviously, it's about making money, um, and and if if fighting the best versus the best uh, uh, helps helps uh, in the goal of making the most amount of money, then great. But if it doesn't, we're not gonna put two fighters against each other to find out who's the best if it compromises the amount of money that we could potentially make if we did otherwise. And that's going to make your boxer look bad even if he wins. Yeah, I mean, for, think about it for, the, for, for Golden Boy. If they put Canelo in a position to lose, to potentially, if they put him up against a guy that, that might be able to beat him, that's, there goes Golden Boy promotions. They've got no one, like they're, they're done as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their golden goose. So it makes perfect sense that they have to protect him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So then the true tragedy is that this every tragedy needs a needs needs some someone to take the fall. And last night it was the son of one of the greatest uh, fighters in all of boxing history having to basically take a beating and being outclassed by another boxer who isn't necessarily that much that that good he just he just he just was significantly better than him i i was really sad for for Travis jr and and he's 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 taken he's taken the he took the beating for all of us in a way professor wouldn't you say <laughs> um how how so uh i really wanted this to be a good fight but like you said there's there's a part of me that knew that this probably wasn't going to happen based on a lot of things the fact that he had to drop in weight and the fact that yeah, I just didn't see how I, I just like what just like you said, watching him going to the ring, he just he looked scared. 
I was like, oh shit. And then once in the ring, he's like, oh man, he knows he's got nothing. And then the fight's over and he says, I, I had nothing. It's like, this guy basically was like the cannon fodder. And for <clears throat> our lust for, we, we were, we, what we really wanted to see was two Mexicans beat each other up, right? And yeah. it's almost like I was more proud of the idea of the possibility of the spectacle that this would provide for the sport of boxing and then for just my or for my allegiance and identities uh, or, or my yeah my allegiances to a specific style or brand of boxing that we didn't see last night so it's like that idea lost last night and then also but somebody had to take the beating while this was happening and that guy happened to be Chavez and I don't I don't think it was very fair um I feel I feel really bad for the guy yeah yeah I mean he and it, what, what do you think is well, I guess it's not a matter of which one's harder, but both the 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 opportunities and the and the limitations, the burden that comes with with these two scenarios of um, being born with nothing and having to work your way to the top um, without you know the, the many of the resources that are available to others, or being born with everything and and having that kind of having this bar, this standard that you have to live up to that might just be like far beyond that is far beyond 99.9 people's uh <laughs> capacity yes you know what i mean and so it sucks being born with nothing but it's something you know from like in chavez jr's case man that kind of sucks being this especially in sports right like this is a uh thing and actually we talked about this last week when we were saying like how how often do you see the son of a great surpass surpass their Never. the greatness of their father and um it's i it's hard to think of it of an example because um it's got to be tough to have huge huge shoes to to have to fill uh when you never asked for it <laughs> and yes and and but i could see the temptation right if your father's a great boxer why wouldn't you want to be like your father <laughs> right you know i wanted to be like him Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure at some point I played or pretended to be a great fighter. You know, like that's sick. But if he's your father, it's like that. That possibility becomes much more visceral, right? <laughs> totally, totally. And, <laughs> so, and 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 at the same time, it also it it might just be the only thing you know. Exactly, and that's what uh, to round out this tragedy that I was trying to uh, paint here was. That Canelo comes around with Chavez, with uh, with uh, De La Hoya to do this yet again. A fight that, in my opinion, never should have happened. And I think, Professor, the day we f we first started talking about it, you said, I can't believe that, that they're making this happen, this fight happen. This this shows how desperate. Were you saying De La Hoya or just boxing was for, for some kind of spectacle? Both. Do you remember what you said? Both. Because I do agree. This fight should have never been made. And De La Hoya knows that. And Chavez Sr. No, Chavez Senior knew that. Almost everyone knew that. And Canelo should have known that too. And there's a part of that 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 bullshit that bullshit persona that he plays of like the 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 focused, dedicated, badass fighter bullshit. Like, you know what? You should have said, no, I'm not gonna fight that guy. You know? No, I'm not fucking fighting that guy. Uh, I'm gonna fight fucking Triple G, because I'm the best. Right? But he didn't do that, and he is now going to fight Triple G, and I think Triple G is going to be like 58 when the, by the time they fight, right? How old is Triple G? 35, 36, 34? Yeah, but he's in his prime. 
you know. So, you think so? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, see, I'll, I'll I'll give a, a counter to that because I'm I'm of the opinion I want them to draw this out more. I remember how, maybe la- I wish I remember when I predict, but I predicted this fight is not going to happen. The Triple G Canelo fight is going to happen, but it's not going to happen till I think I predicted it happened September two this year, and this okay. was like like two years ago that I that I called it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm pushing it back even further. I want it. Really? To, I, I I want it to take place a year from now, and Why? I th- and I think they should build it for a year because I uh-huh. think just let that build simmer a little bit more, and 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 next first Saturday of May will be a will be just an epic sports day, if if it if it <laughs> takes place. But um, but I think it's smart. I think it's been smart of him not to. And again, I don't think it's him though. I think it's it's, Hello, it's, yeah. it's it's yeah it's the promotion team that makes these decisions and it's been smart to to hold off on the triple G fight, um, and I and and the Chavez Junior fight maybe happened. Part of it was desperation, and another part of it I do believe Canelo when he says like, "No, I wanted to make this fight happen because I'm sick of this guy talking shit about me," <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and I don't know how much of it was just grandstanding and how much of it. Is 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 real emotion um, when you listen to Canelo talk, and he's he seems legitimately um, offended by by all the all the criticism that he gets from 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 Mexicans and and Mexican boxing fans that and Chavez Jr. being one of them, um, basically saying all the things that you know that basically what you've just said you know that he's he's never he picks and chooses his fighters and and doesn't take doesn't take on the best um that seems to really really get under his skin and isn't that why this this i mean every time i heard chavez speak it was like i was listening to my father speak but it was almost like chavez was speaking not as chavez junior but he was like he was like the 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 (laughs) the spokesperson for an entire uh entire section of the grandstand saying yeah. this guy's a chump this yeah. guy's a paper champion you know yeah. and we were all secretly hoping they would beat him even though we knew he wasn't going to but we secretly all wanted that because we we happen to be team team we think Canelo's a chump right um and that's that's the ultimate tragedy is that Canelo is is also this poor guy is probably never going to be accepted and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that he is Included in the legacy of a fighter, De La Hoya, who beat the great uh, Cesar Chavez. And you, when you put it all together, you've got this kid, Chavez Jr., who takes a beating. And then you've got this this kid, this kid, uh, uh, um, um, Canelo saying, you know, I, you know I, I'm, I'm the best. When we all know, like, you're good, but you're not the best. You're not who you think you are. And this guy called you out and you wanted to beat him. So it's like... He was fighting against Chavez Jr. for saying that, but I think Canelo's always going to have to continue fighting against the the kind of the, the 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 narrative that he built around himself, which is he's not that good, right? I think he's yeah he's good, but he's he hasn't shown to be great, and and that's what there, everyone's look you. that's what everyone's looking for is right. we want the next great Mexican fighter, mm-hmm. um, and and you know what. If he and 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 I don't know, you know, it doesn't look good that he could beat Triple G, but if he does, and and to to Canelo's credit, we've watched him since he was a, a young kid, and he's and, developed, and and he's and he's the first one to keep reminding us about that. 
how how young he is and how you know he's he always like brings that up like I'm 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 only 26 years old you know uh-huh. but um but he's right and we've watched him from a very young age uh, grow and 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 we can't deny the fact that he he's gotten better with every fight like he he's he's been getting better and better and improving adding more he's become more dynamic to his 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 fighting style uh-huh. um if he beats triple g uh-huh. i think that would be at that point he gives everyone no choice but to but to tip their hat and go okay okay you you can be, you're you're our champ now people will jump on the bandwagon at that point right but it, I, it, but it but doesn't he run the risk of if he delays this fight doesn't he run the risk of of essentially like of getting into a situation where all of a sudden now he's fighting a very old Triple G, and then if he beats him, we'll say ah whatever. Um, last night at the at the place where I watched the fight, when he says, when he said, he said, what did he say? Triple G, you're next. What did he say? You're next, my friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I started a chant, and half the place erupted into a culero, culero. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel I feel. It was a sad day in boxing for me yesterday, and not because Chavez Jr.'s loss, but because I feel I feel like there was there was way more at play there than than promoters and boxers and 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 uh, and money and blah. There there was a genuine uh, brother against brother uh, fight, and I think it really revealed a lot about uh, the Mexican uh, family dynamics and conditions. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Where did you watch the fight, Professor? Um, at a th- at a theater, um, at a theater, which um, which interestingly, when the 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 loudest pop that 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 the the grandstanders in the theater, the moment they erupted was at the Canelo announcing Triple G, you're next, my friend. Uh-huh. And when he said that, the place went bananas, um, like the theater, <laughs> and. Um, and not only that, dude, but do you remember he he said it and then they panned into like they had it all set up. They they uh-huh. they had a video package ready and then Triple mm-hmm. G comes out to music. Uh-huh. If if there is any moment that that showed that it just absolutely proves how boxing and and WWE professional wrestling are are two sides of the same coin, it was it was that, right? Like that was the most wrestling thing I've ever seen in boxing. Mm-hmm. And the pe- and the people ate it up, right? Oh, they went crazy. That's that. But you know what? That's again, stories are are what make fights, and and that's, so then that's why, how you make a story. So then why isn't the Mexican? Is it because because there's a there's a because they're two separate things, maybe perhaps? But Mexicans have wrestling, and they 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 dig on that big time. But somehow, when you pull those shenanigans in boxing, talking to Mario Senior this morning. He fucking hates that shit, you know? He's like, that's not what boxing should be, right? And, I mean, that, that's just his opinion. I, I don't agree with him or disagree. I just, uh, I see all sides of it. And, and, and why are so many people, half the crowd basically was skeptical of, you know, when, when that whole thing happened, basically that's when people were yelling culero. And that's when the conversation then uh, changed to, Canelo's Canelo's a chump, basically, mm-hmm. and then the other half saying Canelo is sick. He's gonna beat the shit out of him, right? Or it's gonna be a great fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And why don't why can't we tolerate? Why doesn't a certain type of grandstander in the Mexican grandstander 
uh, tolerate the the that that kind of that that the the, sh- the showman part of it. Yeah. No. I think. Um, uh, and there is a, a like there there was that time the the people in, like uh, in L.A. Mexicans talk about the heyday in L.A. when at the auditorium where where you would the auditorium would have uh, boxing you know Mexican fighters and and lucha libre and like that was like the, mm-hmm. those two just uh, the, the L.A. Mexican crowd loved it um mm-hmm. but um i think when it comes to the sit like say mario senior and and i think the they're like the they're they're like the the hipsters of of of, of the sport you know like they're the <laughs> ones who uh at least not no maybe not the hipsters. you know like the you know the people who are super into music into indie music and yeah, they, and, and they know it all in like they know yeah. every band coming up and everything. Yeah, you know they're kind of those folks who the boxing heads. They're the boxing heads. They know their shit, and 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 when they watch a uh a uh when they watch a boxing fight, they're watching. They're in it for the craft of boxing, while the vast majority of the grandstanders are in it for the spectacle. Um, and 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 that includes Mexican spectators as well. Uh. It, you know, Mexican fans. Mex- boxing is a big part of Mexican culture, but, but still, down in Mexico, both you know, most people they don't know they don't know the ins and out outs of boxing. Say like like your dad does, right? Um, and 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 people like that. Yeah, they they have no time for for all the all the bells and whistles nonsense. They just want to see two two dudes fight. Yeah, I I like the I like the the spectacle. The spectacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it too. I like it too. Uh, I, I still can't decide what parts of it I like and what parts of it I, I would do away with, but but it you know there's a lot of people worked really hard to make that fucking show happen last night that <laughs> you and I paid a lot of money for and gave a lot of money away to let's return it to the booze corporations. Mm-hmm. These are the real fucking winners, you know. I told myself I wasn't going to pay sixty nine dollars to or however many dollars to watch it at home. But I ended up spending more money going out to watch, <laughs> watch it at a bar than I would ever paid if I had just gotten a six pack and paid sixty bucks and watched it on my computer. But there's something about being around people, right? Totally. That's the ultimate thing you're paying for, I think. The booze and the crowd. Um by the way, I watched it at a taco shop called El Paisa. Oh, is that, make- is that are you just announcing grandstands for a sponsor? I think so. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, this episode sponsored by uh, El Paisa. They have the best uh, mulitas. Mm. Four bucks, you get a very delicious mulita, um, and they sell beer. And it's it's not it's not a sports bar. It's a Mexican food restaurant that has TVs and they show a lot of soccer. But they you know they show the fight, and for twenty dollars you come in and watch fight, um, and you get a beer, a free beer. Why do Mexicans love boxing so much? Why is this so important to us? I don't. I mean, do, do you think it goes back to goes back to the the Aztec roots? I don't know. I mean, it could. It, yeah, I'm assuming that has something to do with it. If you you're in a country with a lot of poverty and you have to fight, you have to fight for not not just fight physically, but but you know every day is a struggle. I'm assuming it uh, it 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 uh, creates a an environment where that becomes a uh, reality, right? And then I think one of the things that maybe makes Mexico so unique is that 
it does have an incredible infrastructure already in place, right? So I'm sure there's a lot of countries where you have to struggle to make it every day and probably with some amazing fighters, but very few countries have the setup that Mexico does to 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 raise and, and, and make boxers, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I think that that's a... That's a huge component of it. Um, d- did you did you by chance see the um, HBO did a thing? Um, did like a, a a little like documentary on this, on the fight? Like, to build up to the fight? Uh, no, I didn't. So the one, I think they maybe did multiple ones, but one of them uh, starts off with this like the introduction, which is just just beautifully shot, and and with with very poetic narration about you know the 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 soul of of Mexico as as a as a fighting as a as a culture of fighters you know but but in, in a glorifying way uh-huh. um and you know and saying how you know here in in this culture fighters fighters stand apart you know they they they're set, they're 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 on a whole nother level of of heroic status mm-hmm. um and it was really like I, I without I'm not exaggerating. It, it it was like it moved me like watching it. But then I it, it brings me back to this this uncomfort uh, or this discomfort with how much of it, it. It almost feels almost National Geographicish. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. tough. It's a, it's a tough one because it's it's being done with nothing but good intentions, and it's really making it's making the culture and the people of it. It's it's celebrating them in a really beautiful way, but it's still being done by Americans, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then would you have this kind of you know? We've talked about this during our boxing episode, but why don't Irish fighters fight anymore? Why aren't there any Italian fighters anymore? Well, because they've assimilated, right? Yeah, they don't have a need to fight. But typically. Almost always, boxers come from poverty mm-hmm. and from really rough neighborhoods. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's 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 the yeah, absolutely. That's what makes it like that's what makes it slightly uncomfortable, right? Because we were talking about a different sport. Would you feel that way? Would it have that same national geographicy feeling to it? Um, right. No, may, maybe not. Um, yeah, because it is as as they're as they're 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 portraying this you're watching two like eight-year-olds you know beat mm-hmm. each other up mm-hmm. um, but again it's 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 being it's being shown in a in a poetic and, and and glorifying way but when you think about it it's it is still two eight-year-olds two poor eight-year-olds beating each other up right <laughs> so but but then we have to think about what it what it what it looks like from their perspective right well, that's that's the whole question, right? Because it's we don't know what it looks like from their perspective because it's being brought to us by, right, from an American one, yeah, yeah. The Esquire said bullfighting is one of their their one of their their mantras: booze, boxing, and bullfighting. And bullfighting is a sport that's I think on its way out um, for its brutality, but to people in Spain doesn't seem quite the way that we see it from the outside, right? And that would be an extreme example of that. Right. Right? And I've talked to, you know, my father loves bullfights. Uh, my grandfather loved bullfights. My father loves bullfighting probably as much as he likes boxing, or boxing a little more, but he understands it is what I meant to say. Um, he doesn't quite see the brutality in the same way that maybe I see. 
right? Um, and I love boxing, and there are people who hate boxing, and I don't see the brutality that other people see. Right. No, same here. You could critique it from either end. If 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 you have outsiders coming in and glorifying the brutality, you can you can question that and go, yeah, but you know, you as an outsider, you don't realize you're glorifying something that's pretty brutal. Right. But then if they come in with a with a with a critique of it, like, hey, this is pretty brutal, then mm-hmm. it's then then you go, yeah, but as an outsider, you don't under you don't see the you don't see it from the perspective of the of of the participants themselves, you know, and, and the whole the, the the history and the context around it. You, you don't get it. Um, so maybe the I guess all we're saying is uh, outsiders should never um, talk about <laughs> others. Ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, yeah. fucking ever. Just come watch, but don't fucking don't try to narrate. <laughs> I'll sign my fucking name to that. I know you're joking, professor, but um, I'll fucking I'll sign my name on that. So, so what do you think? Booze, baseball, and boxing. I like that. It'd be cool to come up with another letter that catches like all the other stuff, the the horse racing and the and the whatever. But anyways, Barbaro. Bar. Do you remember Barbaro? <laughs> yeah, Barbaro. Yesterday, after watching the Kentucky Derby, I played the video for of the winning of the Triple Crown. And every time I watch that, I feel like crying. <laughs> and. I can't even say that I'm, I'm I, I I like horse racing, but it's it's not like when I watch uh, when I watch a uh, 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 a Mexico goal or a Steve Garvey home run in nineteen eighty eighty four, that makes me want to cry. But um, this the Kentucky Derby Triple Crown makes me want to cry every time I watch the video, uh, especially if I let a long long time pass by. This this uh, first Saturday in May has become really special to to me to you do you feel that way too professor yeah definitely i love it in build in building to to next year's um uh, first saturday of may uh what i what i hope to see um so i hope that next next year on may and oh and next next year 2018 uh the first saturday of may will be actually be on may 5th Oh, wonderful. So, with that, um, I would want to see... I hope that the uh, Canelo Triple G fight gets pushed to to that date. Um, it's the biggest fight that could be made in boxing right now. There's no other There's no other matchup that comes close in, in generating the t- type of uh, excitement for the sport that that, that fight will, will create. Um, and then for horse racing, for the Kentucky Derby, what do you think of this? If I were an, uh, a wealthy person, I would start uh, scouting the world right now to find the best female jockey I could find and start building this jockey to 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 mount what will be the best horse on the field. Because um, I think that's something that potentially has... Um, that's something that could do a lot for, for, for horse racing, or at least for the Kentucky Derby, is the fact that uh, a female jockey could could compete with any of the male jockeys right um and that just you know you know we would eat that story up huge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and maybe if we could do two female jockeys uh as the two favorites going into the race uh 
Oof. Um, and since it's going to be on May 5th, uh, one be Mexican and one be French. Uh, i see our future professor i see our future i just saw it i'm looking out the window and i see it we are going to be professional sport scripts writer script writers (laughs) i know dude i'm trying to find i don't know where you apply for it but whoever has that job um i think we could totally take them out do you know how they say that there are crisis actors? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, but, but they're like, no, that's not true. That's just some bullshit conspiracy <laughs> stuff. There's, there's sports scripts writer, script writers, and, and they're, like the, they're like the crisis actors. They exist. You just have to, you have to know someone to get in touch in that, in, into, that, into that world. I, I used to draw stadiums when I was a little boy. And I used to draw them asymmetrically because I used to love the asymmet- asymmetrical parks of 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 uh, the the of the of the turn of the century stadiums that they built in the cities. And one time, uh, my mother comes up to me. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm designing new stadiums." And she laughed. She's like, "What the fuck?" So what I do is in in the outfield, I would I would make the outfields like really absurdly shaped, you know, very asymmetrical. And I remember one particular stadium in the back had a, um, in the in the center field wall had a shark tank, with sharks, so that if you you know to add to the effect of if you hit a ball out there and you want to you know, you you wouldn't want to dive into the shark tank, for a ball right so, it kind of would play into the favor of the hitter and not so much of the, the wall was low but you know you could easily fall into it so. I remember my mother saying, that's ridiculous. And then now when I see people fucking sunbathing in a swimming pool in stadiums, I'm like, not as ridiculous as that. Oh, man. So I think you and I both have always had this in us. We know it's all a big fucking spectacle. And we just really, this Grandstand podcast is only a vehicle for someone to fucking finally hear us and hire us. That's really what we're really, really, really doing. Yeah, man. Yeah, if you, if they, you you get us writing scripts for sports, and we could we we, we could make a badminton a mainstream spectacle. Oh fuck yeah! Um, and then uh, I just uh, is I, I hope you're okay with this, professor. I want to dedicate this fight to to the archetype of Chavez Junior. Um, of of that the tragic, unfortunate hero. Uh, or tragic character that comes from so much money that he's like you said. What did you say? The game chose him. Yeah, he he didn't choose the game. Yeah, there's a lot of characters like that, and and here's this man who had everything, but in a sense did not, and he couldn't escape his destiny. And um, as much as I love Travis Senior, he's still one of my idols. Uh, I, I I couldn't. I had to look away a few times when I saw him on TV these last few weeks making excuses for his son because it's ultimately the excuses that he's making is for himself, right? And the final part of the tragedy, I think, is uh, to be a boxer is to spend a lot of time away from family, to live in a violent reality, and to expose yourself and your family to things that are not very conventional, and that's got to have a fucked up effect on your offspring. And uh, whether he was aware of it or not, uh, when Chavez was 
was was winning championships for entertainment. He was uh, had to be away from his kids, and we got to see the the end result of that last night uh, when that poor young man uh, was crying because he was crying, um, and yeah, just just it's pretty fucked up. So it may be glorious from the outsider's perspective, but it's a uh, for everything you get, you have to give something up in return. And in this case, it was uh, little Travis Jr. Uh, via his, his his father. So this was a family drama more than anything. And, um, yeah, that's what we saw. And I'm going to continue watching, but but I'm always uh, going to – I'm never going to forget what occurred yesterday. He was like the – he's the sacrificial lamb who, um, you know, because of him we – uh, a lot of families had a really spent nice quality time last night together. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe it does go back to the Aztec thing. We would sacrifice um, the winners <laughs> and the losers. Um, it's, it's, it's a tradition. It's a thing. It's a happening uh, for all the beautiful things that are to come sports-wise and what an incredible way of marking it with these two really like just just very visceral, beautiful, carnal, brutal sports, uh, horse racing and boxing. I think uh, it's it's appropriate that that it's it's those two that open the gates to the, as I say, most glorious uh, season of grandstanding. Professor, anything else you want to add? Did we miss something? No. This you, is good. See you next May. See you next May. Um, get to work, cabrones, and um, don't don't fall asleep on your laurels, is how they say. Um, there's lots of work to be done, a lot of grandstanding to be had. Um, the glorious, glorious, most happiest time of year is here. Este es el corrido del caballo blanco. Que en un día domingo feliz arrancará Iba con la mira de llegar al norte Habiendo salido de Guadalajara Su noble jinete le quitó la rienda Le quitó la silla y se fue a poro pelo Cruzó como rayo tierras nayaritas Entre cerros verdes y lo azul del cielo A paso más lento Llegó hasta Escuinapa Y por Culiacán Ya se andaba quedando Cuentan que los mochis ya se va cayendo, que llevaba todo el hocico sangrando.